We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 494 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, January 26th, 2023, 31 years ago today was the Redskins' last Super Bowl win. January 26th, 1992, the Skins defeated the Buffalo Bills. 37-24 at the Metrodome in Minneapolis, Minnesota in Super Bowl 26, concluding what I believe was the greatest season in Redskins slash Washington football team slash Commanders history. In fact, let us hear from the late great Harry Callis of NFL Films, his five-star narration of the 1991 Skins. For the third time in 10 years, Joe Gibbs and the Redskins scaled the heights of football greatness. The 1991 Washington Redskins are an honor to the team's glorious past and the world champions of pro football's present. There you go. Classic stuff. Who knew (laughs) on that wonderful night? 31 years ago, that that would be the last time that the Skins would come close to a Super Bowl title for a very long time. If you were around for that night 31 years ago, what if your today self told your 31 years ago self everything that would happen with our football team over the next 31 years. <laughs> Think about that. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The 1991 Redskins are my all-time favorite sports team. Hey, who knows? Maybe the 2023 Commanders will end up challenging the 91 Skins for that spot. We are still waiting on the Commanders to hire an offensive coordinator. It does not sound like that'll be happening this week. We on Wednesday evening did have multiple reports that the Commanders now are seeking to interview San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach and running backs coach and former Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn 
for the Commanders offensive coordinator job. But the Niners have this thing called the NFC Championship game on Sunday afternoon. So a Commanders interview of Lynn is not expected to happen until at least next week. In the meantime, I have a good guest coming up next segment, NFL analyst Samuel Gold the creator of the wildly successful Sam's Film Room on YouTube. Uh, Sam has conducted a thorough film breakdown of quarterback Sam Howell's performance in the Commander's season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th. We're going to talk about that as well as the bigger picture with Sam and the commander's quarterback situation. Is the commander's positioning Sam to be their QB1 for the 2023 season the right way for the commanders to be thinking? Uh, As we are in the midst of this commander's offensive coordinator search, what kind of an offense might be best for Sam if, in fact, he ends up being the commander's starting quarterback for next season? Should the commanders still be open to taking a quarterback in the 2023 season? NFL draft? I say yes, but what says Samuel Gold? All of that and more with Samuel Gold next segment. And Samuel, by the way, is not just an X's and O's master. Uh, He also is a fan of the Commanders. Uh, Also on the show, victorious Wednesday nights for both the Wizards and Maryland basketball. We have some nice wins to discuss. Uh, The Wizards won their fourth consecutive game. Who says that the Wiz have no direction? Uh, They overcame a 19-point second quarter deficit and a 10-point fourth quarter deficit, a 108-103 win at the NBA worst Houston Rockets as Kyle Kuzma erupted in the fourth quarter. Mount Kuzma erupted in the fourth quarter on Wednesday night, and the Terrapins, uh, they ripped Wisconsin 73-55 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Brian Young, on the commander's offensive philosophy. Yes, this continues to be a concern, and justifiably so. Head coach Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew, them in their joint season-ending press conference on January 10th, uh, championing a running game-oriented offense. Uh, So much so that Martin at one point said that the 2-to-1 run-to-pass ratio that the commanders approximated in that win over the Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th was ideal. Uh, Writes Brian, love your show and appreciate your attention to detail. How is this for detail? The average number of offensive plays per NFL team is 62 per game. With the Riverboat Ron and Martin plan of a 2-to-1 ratio of run-to-pass, we're looking at about 40 running plays for every 20 passing plays. If our quarterback had a completion percentage of 70, which is very good, that still would only work out to 14 completions per game. Are Ron and Martin seriously expecting to win with this plan? I only graduated from public school at Bladensburg in PG County, but thankfully, I have a phone calculator. Cheers, and keep making my morning complete. Well, thank you for that, Brian. Uh, Look, few people were were as disturbed by the offensive philosophy that Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew espoused at their uh, season-ending press conference as I was. I would like to think, boy, would I like to think, that Martin wasn't being literal when he said, the two-to-one run-to-pass ratio thing. Uh, But yeah, he did say that. 
Uh, I mean, if what he actually was trying to say was that he hopes that the commanders have substantial leads in games to where the team ends up with a lot of rushing attempts in the second halves of games to kill clock and thus often has a two to one run to pass ratios, then okay. I mean, I hope that that's the case too. But if what he and Ron truly were getting at is that the idea is to not throw the football a lot, uh, yeah, that in 2023 is what we like to call cuckoo talk. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Speaking of cuckoo, Uh, I, over the last few days, have received a lot of tweets about the Wizards of what I tweeted on Monday afternoon and talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 492, how the trade of Rui Hachimura was the latest example of the Wizards going nowhere. A tweet from Blam, over 20 years and nothing has changed. Mid-tier team with no realistic plan, just happy to finish around 500 year after year. Thought that once Ernie left, things would change, but once again, disappointed. Uh, yeah, the Wizards fired team president Ernie Grunfeld on April 2nd, 2019. That was nearly four years ago now. We cannot keep blaming Ernie for everything. Uh, tweet from Eric, maybe KD retires here. Uh, yeah, you know, that is the Wizards way. Get the superstar past his peak. Uh, happened with Moses Malone. Happened with Bernard King. Uh, happened with Mark Price, happened with Michael Jordan. Why not Kevin Durant? And hey, you know what? Moses and Bernard uh, had some good seasons for the Bullets. It's not like those guys were terrible for the Bullets. Even MJ was all right as a player uh, for the Wizards, given his age at the time. That still is crazy, isn't it? That Michael Jordan played for the Wizards for two seasons. Tweet from Chris Nace of the law firm of Polson and Nace uh, writes, Chris, This is why I worry about Leonsis owning the Nats. Yeah, well, I don't know that anyone knew he's going to be owning the Nationals the way that the learner's sale of the Nats is going, but I hear you on that. Um, You you know, with Ted Leonsis, it is tricky because it's hard to complain about Ted as owner of the Capitals. Uh, And with him as owner of the Wizards, he has spent money on players. I do give him credit for that. But the concern that I have with Ted with the Wizards, and I know that I'm not the only person who has this concern, is that Ted doesn't want to do what needs to be done, tear down and rebuild, because he fears the team being bad for multiple seasons and fears Capital One Arena for Wizards home games being filled with empty seats for multiple seasons and fears things not going so well for the Wizards financially for multiple seasons. That essentially Ted is content with the Wizards being mediocre. Um, You know, I can't say with certainty that Ted thinks this way, but the Wizards have been mediocre for four plus decades. Uh, Ted now has been the majority owner of the Wizards for more than a decade. He became majority owner of the Wizards in 2010. And yeah, the team remains mired in mediocrity. The team still has not been past the second round of the playoffs since 1979, still has not won at least 50 games in a regular season since the 1978-79 season. Well, you know what was founded in 1979, don't you? Uh, Not just the mediocrity of the Wizards, but also the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson 
and days. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Polson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. A big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the pod costs you nothing. And make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review uh, saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two, can be more, but uh, does not have to be. And thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Well, as we monitor what uh, maybe, possibly could happen with the commanders in the veteran quarterback market this offseason, what remains a case is that the only significant commanders quarterback news since the end of their 2022 season has been what came out on Saturday morning, January 14th. Multiple reports that Sam Howell is positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, including offensive coordinator candidates for the commanders being told that Sam is their likely starting quarterback for next season. This was a stunning development, uh, if for no other reason than Sam in the 2022 regular season played in just one game of the season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th. And as you likely remember, head coach Rod Rivera was reluctant to even start Sam in that game. But Sam did start that game, and he in that game played well. So as the NFL playoffs are winding down, 
And teams off-seasons are getting going, and we prepare for the quarterback dominoes to begin to fall. Uh, whether you're talking about what happens with the Las Vegas Raiders' Derek Carr, or the Baltimore Ravens' Lamar Jackson, or the Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' Tom Brady, what about the Commanders' Sam Howell? They took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. He has played in just one NFL regular season game. Is he really going to be the team's QB1 for what figures to be a make or break season for Ron Rivera in 2023, given the commander's looming ownership change and that our guy Ron over his three seasons as Washington head coach has yet to have a winning regular season. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, NFL analyst Samuel Gold. Uh, He is the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. He has 98,000 plus subscribers to his YouTube channel. And he on his YouTube channel has put together an excellent film breakdown of Sam Howell's performance in that win over the Cowboys in week 18. And Samuel Gold isn't just an NFL analyst. He also is a fan of the Commanders. So you can follow Samuel on Twitter at Samuel R. Gold. Hey, Samuel, how are you? I'm doing great, Al. How about yourself? Doing well. I appreciate you coming on. Before we get to your film breakdown of Sam Howell in the win over the Cowboys, you joined me on the podcast last year to discuss the quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL Draft. And I remember you saying that Sam was a particularly tricky quarterback to evaluate. What was your pre-draft assessment of Sam? For me, when he came out of the NFL Draft, it was all about the potential of his playmaking ability um, kind of wrapped up into this gamer mentality of of you don't you don't see a traditional I'm going to sit in the pocket and make these throws you see a guy that you're trying to build an offense around run pass options you're trying to build a, an offense around play action it's 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 those type of play style that like the the Jalen Hurts style offense that you're looking at that you're that you're really interested in looking at him and it's you can tell he has incredible arm strength, but the one thing that always stood out to me, what I, as I mentioned before, that gamer mentality of him just fighting and fighting for all those extra yards and just, just playing so much hero ball himself. Uh, the one thing that really stood out to me, though, was the inconsistency. His entire college lat- final season um, at UNC was it was up, then down, then up, then down. You go Virginia Tech to, I think it was Notre Dame to one of those other games, and it was horrendous the amount of inconsistency he showed even on a a play-by-play basis and a lot of that had to do with just his footwork where you just did not know um if you'd be able to just throw from even just a basic platform to throwing off platform anything and then the funny part was that in his final college game against south carolina it was like everything clicked and he was perfect it was one of the single best games i saw from pretty much every single college quarterback prospect last year it made me actually rewatch his entire season again because i was like what just happened he was so so good against south carolina in that bowl game um i broke that down in my scouting report and i kind of referenced it in my latest video um on sam howell and the the washington quarterback situation but man that that game just blew me away and that's why i was you know i'm, I'm i was i was a fan and I, and I was really hoping that somebody would take him in the the, the late second or third round and we, we somehow got him in the fifth 
Yeah, I love the pick when it happened. I think that a lot of people did. I mean, the value of getting a guy who in the 2021 offseason was viewed as the potential number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft in the fifth round of that draft was undeniable and still is. Uh, So the Commanders play their first 16 games of the 2022 regular season. Sam does not play at all. And then with the team officially eliminated from postseason contention, he got his shot in that season-ending win over the Cowboys. Uh, I thought that Sam played well, especially given the circumstances. You know, NFL regular season debut, he played with a depleted supporting cast. He played against what ended up being one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. But what were your conclusions in studying the game? For me, I thought he act, I thought he played pretty well. Um, I think my overall grade I gave him from the game was a B. And, and and the things that I liked from him were I think were the same things that I saw from that South Carolina game and, and from his flashes that he made in college. And those were uh, big arm to throw down the field. He had he had a couple passes. I think one was to Jahan Dawson and one to uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, one of those got away, but the other one was 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 perfect um, down the sideline. Uh, but there were still two fantastic throws from what I can tell in terms of uh, a footwork to a platform to, to just getting the ball out quickly with, uh, with, with his arm motion. Um, that was something that I noticed in college was he had a little bit of an elongated throwing motion. And he, he seemed to be working on that, which is something nice to see. Um, the other thing that I really liked was uh, how quickly he went through his reads uh, in order to work from his first to his second to his third and then also he showed that scrambling ability that when the pocket started collapsing with a, with a Micah Parsons rush, that he could escape and he could just bolt and run for it and pick up that first down. We saw that on a couple third down plays. Um, and that was great to see because it shows that, you know, like it, it, show, it shows that same sort of mentality. But also it shows that, you know, if, if, if push comes to shove and, and he needs to pick up that first down, that he can just do that. You mentioned Sam Howell seemingly having worked on his elongated throwing motion. Uh, Sam's footwork had come up as something that he needed to work on. Mechanically speaking, did you in the win over the Cowboys see an improved Sam Howell? I did. Um, I, I, I really did. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think from my perspective, uh, the little things of especially that elongated throwing motion, and then uh, I felt like he had a more consistent platform when he was throwing as a passer, I feel like he did a better job of getting his feet under him. Um, however, there were a couple plays where he definitely didn't. Like you can definitely see the rookie mistake, the uh, the college aspect of the I'm going to run and I'm just going to try to throw it up and I'm just going to try to make the play. Um, and his interception is exactly that. Uh, the left tackle was getting bullied backwards. He drifted right into him. He threw kind of in this jump pass uh, off platform throw. The ball predictably came up short, and it was picked. It was like the easiest pick of that 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 Cowboys career. Like it's it's plays like that where you're like, oh, like he's still a rookie. But at the end of the day, like it's those are the type of things you work on. Like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say how's a. Per-, I'm not going to tell you that how's like the the next franchise or perfect quarterback. He's, he's a guy that he, he was a fifth round pick. I had him as a third round of the draft before, and he needs he needs he needs work. Do you think that Rod Rivera erred in not going to Sam Howell sooner this season? Yeah, great question. I I wish we saw him earlier. This 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 is one of the the problems of of taking a a late round quarterback and then putting him in a a, a pretty much kind of like a meaningless game against the Cowboys where. Uh, where, where they didn't really, the Cowboys didn't really have anything to gain from winning. 
They already had the division wrapped up, or, or not the division. They already had that wild card spot wrapped up. They already, um, like, even, even with a loss, I don't even think they would have dropped anything in the in, the, in their in their standings because the Eagles already had that one that one seed. Uh, I to them, they played such a vanilla defense, and the way they rushed the quarterback, they didn't do any sort of sim pressures. They didn't they didn't blitz a ton of times. I think it was less than twenty percent of the time, which is which is low for the Cowboys. Um, or 16, I think, actually, I think it was 16 or 17% of the time, which is low for them. They didn't really do any sort of, uh, disguised coverage with the safeties. Basically all the things you expect from an NFL defense, the Cowboys pretty much just said, I'm going to play one high defense. I'm going to play that, or I'm going to play too high. And I'm going to play that too. And, and to his credit, Sam Howell read what the defense gave him and he made his play, but it's not like he, it's not like the, this was a crazily difficult game plan, nor a difficult, a crazily difficult defensive scheme it, it was nothing like what the cowboys did against the 49ers um in that playoff game that we just watched um so so to say that he tore apart like like the ca- same cowboys defense that san francisco couldn't like you, you can't say that obviously um so and, and so so going back to your original question 100 I, I wish we saw him earlier there was i i i was utterly shocked that that he was that ron rivera was even considering starting taylor heineke in that final game like what are you trying to learn from that there's literally nothing to learn from that, and and this is and playing a guy like Sam Howell gives you, even as a coach or or as as the head coach, it gives you the the hey we tried to look into this option type of argument when when the media ask ask you about that like it's it's the very it's a very simple solution and and especially when Heineke started struggling down the stretch and 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 when you needed some playmaking ability like. There's, 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 there's no reason not to throw him in and, and mix him in. And, and the fact they started Carson Wentz like a few weeks earlier, that's, come on. <laughs> Starting Carson Wentz in what ended up being that loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17, uh, that did not work out. Uh, that is for sure. Much more with Samuel Gold in moments. I'm going to next ask him about Sam Howell potentially being the commander's QB1 for next season. But if you need to get your money organized like our commanders need to figure out their quarterback situation, download the Hiatus app. Uh, Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. Hiatus creates a comprehensive view of your bills, your utilities, your subscriptions. Hiatus monitors trends, watches for increases in your bills, and alerts you if any rate changes are coming. Uh, Also, you with Hiatus can gain access to hands-on money experts who can negotiate your bills down and provide you with financial advice, and you with Hiatus can create custom budgets. Hiatus is great. Do yourself a favor and download the Hiatus app. You can do so right now from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. There's no cost to downloading the app. Download it and see what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, money saving made easy. More now with NFL analyst and Commanders fan Samuel Gold. Uh, So we had the end of the Commanders 2022 season on Sunday, January 8th. And then just six days later, Saturday, January 14th, came these reports that Sam Howell is positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. And, you know, it's one thing to read that or hear that, but included in these reports was offensive coordinator candidates for the commanders being told that Sam Howell is the team's likely starting quarterback 
for next season. I was surprised by this, but I also was excited by this because I do think that going with Sam as the QB1 for next season would make sense for a lot of reasons, assuming that he earns that starting job. The team shouldn't just hand him the starting job. But what did you make of those reports so soon after the end of the commander's season? Yeah, um, I was I was I was shocked to hear that too. Um, like he did good things, and there, and it, and it's, I don't I don't ever want to take away from a good performance because he he actually like to to get a B in your opening game against a division rival when like you're you're basically with limited regular season snaps with with or, or no regular season snaps, barely any preseason work, and, and no no first teamer reps and everything like that. Uh, he played he played very well considering all those things. Uh, to outright name him the like the QB one or or any in that, in that variety, um, I think that's extremely premature. I don't think we're at this point where we can definitively say Sam Howell is your starting quarterback or any or even near that conversation. Um, and I, th- I think I think saying that kind of kind of kind of gives the impression that we're not looking at alternative options. Like for example, if, if Derek Carr gets cut and they can get him for no no assets traded, nothing like that, I would have no problem with them signing him to a reasonable deal. Like it's it's a quarterback like that where you're not trading a, a, a your second or third round in a conditional you know conditional third or whatever they did they did for Wentz. Um, I'm completely okay with signing a quarterback like that. Um, I would be okay with like a Geno Smith type of player if if he ends up um, not getting re-signed or franchised with the Seahawks. Um, in my opinion, I think what you do with Sam Howell at, at the very least is that if, if you if you don't want to draft a rookie quarterback, you sign a cheap vet like a Jacoby Brissett, and then you have them compete and and, and, and have him try to win the job outright. Uh, because as of right now, all we know is we had a one game sample size against a vanilla defense where you played where you played pretty well, but that's it. Yeah, that's what, and, and that's going back to your earlier question. That's why I wanted him to play more snaps in the regular season or play more games so we can get a better feel of who he actually is. You early in our conversation mentioned Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. As a fan of our quarterback-starved commanders, uh, the Eagles' success with Hurts really stands out in a variety of ways, including the extent to which the Eagles went all-in on tailoring their offense to Hurts' skills. Uh, This RPO-heavy offense that the Eagles employ with Hurts is tremendous. Sam Howell ends up being the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Given his dual threat capabilities and given that he at North Carolina ran a lot of RPO, would you recommend the commanders with whoever their offensive coordinator ends up being tailoring their offense to Sam the way that the Eagles have tailored their offense to Hurts? Yeah, I'm, I, I think my answer to that question is yes. I think you have to. If Sam Howell actually wins the starting QB job, looks great over the offseason, does everything right, gets rave reviews. Everyone says that, okay, this is seems like to be the dude. We're going to give him a chance. I think you build that entire playbook around his strengths and his weaknesses. I think, I think we're at that point where you can't straddle this midway. You can't call the same plays you do with Carson Wentz with Sam Howell. They just, they're just two different guys. Um, Taylor Heineke is much more similar to a Sam Howell guy, except for Sam Howell has so much more upside. They're, they're, the skill set that Sam Howell is, is it's literally perfect for a run-pass option offense, a ton of play action, a lot of quick game, a lot of these five-step, a lot of these five-step throws where he's just trying to get rid of the ball. Um, 
in, in a lot of kind of half field reads. And, and, the, and what, what gives me a little bit of hope is that is the play. That is the play calling that they use in his final game against Dallas. They actually used a lot of those concepts and kept it very simple and basically tailored that game plan and what they called in that game to exactly what we saw at UNC. None of the concepts he ran um, against Dallas were that different than the, than the ones that he, ran, that he ran during his time at UNC. That gives me a little bit of hope that if he does win that starting job, that they can do the same thing. And, and so, so maybe they're coming at it in that direction where they're saying, you know, uh, Sam, if Sam Howell is QB1, how would you design your offense versus Sam Howell is QB1? D- tell me how you're designing our offense. Of course, the commander's offensive coordinator for that win over the Cowboys in Week 18 is no longer the team's offensive coordinator. What did you think about the firing of Scott Turner? I'm all right with it. I think I think I think we're at this point where we kind of just need new blood in the in the in the facility. Um, I think I think Ron Rivera is on the hot seat too. I I, th- I think this entire coaching staff is is pretty much on the on 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 the the hot seat. Uh, I, to me. To me, I was I'm completely okay with Scott Turner getting booted, and and I, I think I think there is a point, there is an argument that he is he is a little bit of the scapegoat given the quarterback situation, and and I don't think that is an unfounded accusation, but I also do think that from a play calling and sequencing perspective, there are better coaches, and even hiring like I'm I'm going to throw out a name, Cliff Kingsbury as as your offensive coordinator, man, that would be fun. Like some somebody like that, it doesn't even have to be him. Somebody that like him that understands the collegiate style place, the collegiate style play, um, or a quarterback that has a dual skill set. Maybe even the quarterback coach from from the Eagles. S- somebody just steal somebody like that, where uh, they understand that the play call doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be this this five five read progression. It can just be as simple as. Three reads, boot. Just get out. Just just get out of the backfield and run. Uh, they they do that with Daniel Jones with with Brian Dable, and that was a video I did this week also. Where um, and this was obviously before his game, his most recent game against the Eagles, um, when he played the Vikings. The entire the entire game plan was quick game for fifty percent of it, and and on those five step dropbacks, if if the if the throw wasn't immediately open, Daniel Jones just booked it. Just do the same thing with Sam Hell for the beginning. It's I'm completely okay with that. Dude, I would love to see the commanders hire Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator and go air raid, (laughs) but uh, I'm not expecting that. Certainly not off Rod Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew at their joint season-ending press conference on January 10th, very much promoting a running game-oriented offense. Uh, One more for you. Sam Howell, of course, was taken by the commanders in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. There's no doubt that the overwhelming majority of quality NFL quarterbacks are guys who were taken in the first rounds of NFL drafts. At the same time, five of the seven starting NFC quarterbacks this postseason were non-first round quarterbacks. Three of the four starting NFC quarterbacks in the divisional round of this postseason were non-first round quarterbacks. And the NFC championship game is a battle of two non-first-round quarterbacks in the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, and the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy. You study quarterbacks, you study NFL drafts. What's the right way to view non-first-round quarterbacks? Yeah, it, this this is actually a, it's, a, it's, it's a really good question. It's something that I've been kind of um, 
I'm not going to say internally struggling with, but it's something that I've been kind of debating back and forth for, for the last couple of years, actually, um, especially with guys like Jalen Hurts or a guy like Dak Prescott, uh, you know, or, 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 or some of these other guys that are having a lot more success in the pros. Um, and obviously the AFC is like straight first round quarterback prospects. I'm looking at the list right now and it's, I think every single one of them is a first rounder. Um, it's a really good question because you get the agency problem of where, where, where they don't get a lot of reps and they don't get a lot of, um, time to kind of get the true valuation period that you would hope for, or, th- or that a first round quarterback is often offered a, a first round quarterback often gets two plus seasons of starting work. And at that point you're like, well, that's, that's my sunk cost. I'm kind of done at that point. Whereas uh, uh, even a second round or, or a third and beyond you get probably two or three games. And at that point you're just like, yeah, this guy doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is with, with, Quarterbacks like the Sam Howells of the world or the Malik Wills of the world or um, blanking on other names or, or, or we'll even add Jalen Hurts in the world where, where they have this extreme upside, this extreme potential, but their fundamental quarterback play is so hit or miss. Uh, you need more time to see if they can actually develop that. And, and, and to, me, to me, the only way that I'm okay with drafting a later round quarterback second and beyond is if they do have that extreme upside or, or that, that potential to make those, those crazy plays. And Sam Howell is a perfect prospect that that gives you that example. Um, I had Malik Willis as, as a, as a late first round grade, just mainly because uh, the upside potential. And, and we saw him in his rookie year and he was awful and we expect him to be awful. We expect him to be bad uh, because he was really bad in college, but it's the upside that we're looking for and, and we're hoping that by year three, they turn into something. Um, but you need reps and you need time and you need, you need a, a system that allows them to, to play to their, their strengths and, and, and eliminate their weaknesses. Justin Fields, for example, you, you go through his Matt Nagy film from a year ago to his, to his film this year, Eberfl- with Matt Eberflus, and, and you see a, a team that is embracing the fact that he can run. They're, they're, they're finally telling him that, yo, if, if your first read is not there, just book it. You're a better athlete than literally everyone else in the field. I don't care. Just run. And, and, and we're at that point where just run. Like it's, it's okay. And it's okay not to be a, a traditional pocket passing quarterback anymore because these quarterbacks are used to just sliding and not taking hits. And as long as you're not RG3 where you know how to slide, you know, you can do it. And, 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 and that's, and that's where the value of a, of a, a mid round pick can actually shine is because that's, they're, they're used to playing in that gamer mentality. The Sam Howells of the world, they're out there. And I, so that's, that's why I've become more okay with taking, with drafting a, a mid round pick, but, but there is the argument that how many of them actually pan out versus how many are actually drafted. And, um, again, you go back to the agency problem of a first round pick, just getting more time. Certainly a lot to think about with that issue. NFL analyst and Commanders fan Samuel Gold, the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. Definitely check out his film breakdown of the Commanders' Sam Howell in the season-ending win over the Cowboys. Samuel, thanks a lot and all the best. Yeah, of course. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the Wizards on Wednesday night played the second game of a back-to-back with each game being a road game. Never easy in the NBA, but the Wizards on Wednesday night were playing at the team with the worst record in the NBA, the Houston Rockets, and the Wizards have been playing better lately. And so while the Wizards on Wednesday night were down big, they did end up winning. Uh, The Wizards won their fourth consecutive game, improved to 22 and 26 with a 108-103 win at the Lowly Rockets on Wednesday night. The Wizards won despite being without two starters. So the Wizards were without Chris Dabbs Porzingis. He did not play due to the sprained left ankle that he suffered in the Wizards' 138-118 win over the Orlando Magic at Capital One Arena this past Saturday night. The Wizards on Monday morning announced that Porzingis is week-to-week and Monte Morris on Wednesday night did not play due to right hamstring soreness. Uh, The Wizards on Wednesday night were down big. Uh, They overcame a 19-point second-quarter deficit and a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit. Uh, The Wizards entered the fourth quarter trailing 81-71, but they then won that fourth quarter 37-22. The Wizards had a mixed game defensively, held the Rockets to just 5 of 28 on threes, but allowed the Rockets to score 70 points in the paint. And the Wizards' shooting was terrible until that fourth quarter. Uh, The Wizards, over the first three quarters, went just 7 of 31 on threes and just 20 of 45 on twos. But the Wizards, in that fourth quarter that they won 37-22, went 5 of 7 on threes and 7 of 15 on twos. And making all five of those fourth quarter made threes for the Wizards was Kyle Kuzma. What a wild game for Clutch Coos on Wednesday night. He, in that fourth quarter that the Wizards won, 37-22, scored 20 points. He, in the fourth quarter, went five of six on threes. This off Kuzma over the first three quarters, having gone 0 of seven on threes. Uh, Kuzma for the game, 41 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter, five of 13 on threes, seven of 12 on twos, four of five on free throws. He finished with 33 points, nine rebounds, and two assists versus two turnovers. He, in the second half, scored 29 
of his 33 points. So what was trending toward being a really bad game for Kyle Kuzma ended up being a really good game. Uh, Bradley Beal on Wednesday night, 29 minutes, 39 seconds as a starter. He went 0-3 on threes, but 7-14 on twos and 3-4 on free throws. He finished with 17 points, four assists versus two turnovers and three rebounds. Uh, With Monte Morris out, DeLon Wright on Wednesday night got his first start of this 2022-2023 regular season. He played for 25 minutes, 42 seconds as a starter. He had three of the Wizards' 13 steals in the game. Yeah, the Wizards on Wednesday night totaled 13 steals. Uh, Wright also finished with five points, four assists versus one turnover and three rebounds, including two offensive boards. Uh, Also, the Wizards got two significant performances from reserves. Kendrick Nunn and Denny Avdia. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, the lone actual player who the Wizards got back from the Los Angeles Lakers and trading Rui Hachimura on Monday. Nunn on Wednesday night made his Wizards debut, and he was good. 22 minutes, three seconds off the bench, two of five on threes, three of four on twos. He finished with 12 points, four assists versus no turnovers, four rebounds, including two offensive boards and two steals. And Denny Avdia, 29 minutes, 57 seconds off the bench. Now, he did not shoot well. He went just one of four on threes, just three and nine on twos, and just one of two on free throws. But Denny finished with 10 points, 10 rebounds, including two offensive boards and three assists versus no turnovers. So the Wizards now are 2-0 and on their five-game road trip. Next up for the Wizards at the New Orleans Pelicans, Saturday night at 8. So the Wizards ended up having a good night on Wednesday night, and so too did Maryland basketball. Uh, Maryland improved to 13-7 and overall and 4-5 and in the Big Ten with a 73-55 win over Wisconsin at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Wednesday night. The Terrapins led by double-digit points for most of the second half, which the Terps won 41-27. Uh, Maryland's defense was very good. Uh, the Terps did allow Wisconsin to go 7-17 on threes, but the Terps held Wisconsin to just the 55 points, just 14 of 36 on twos, and just seven free throw attempts. And the Terps offense was good. Uh, we haven't always been able to say that this season. Uh, we are able to say that about what went down on Wednesday night. The Terps scored 73 points, went 6 of 14 on threes, and 22 of 36 on twos, and finished with 15 assists versus eight turnovers, and also finished with an overall field goal percentage of 56. Best overall field goal percentage for Maryland in a conference game since March 8th, 2020. Not bad. Wisconsin is your typical Big Ten team. Slow, plotting, not an easy team to play against, but the Terps on Wednesday night did a nice job. This was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night. I feel like we're just, we're getting a little bit back to the way we were playing early in the season with the ball movement. Um, and I do. I think the I think the, the size and physicality early early on really caught us off guard. Both both Tennessee and UCLA's size and length, I think, was a shock. And it kind of. And then you ha- we had that big long break, and then we saw Michigan, and it was like holy cow. Um, so I think I think the offense. I really haven't changed any. We haven't changed anything. I just think it's everyone's getting a little bit more comfortable with everything that the Big Ten. This this league's a monster. I mean, I think they're just getting used to it everything that the league brings out night night in, night out. 
Yeah, some very good individual performances for the Terps on Wednesday night. Uh, Jameer Young, another good game for him. He, in 37 minutes as a starter, went 2 of 5 on threes, 6 of 10 on twos, and 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 22 points, 8 rebounds, including 2 offensive boards, and 5 assists versus 3 turnovers. Uh, Jameer Young now has scored at least 20 points in 4 of his last 5 games. Dante Scott, he in 37 minutes as a starter, two or three on threes, three or six on twos, and two or three on free throws. He finished with 14 points and 11 rebounds, including four offensive boards. How about Hakeem Hart? Uh, he in 37 minutes as a starter went one or three on threes and five or six on twos and finished with 13 points and eight assists versus one turnover. Eight assists for Hakeem Hart on Wednesday night. Here was Kevin Willard during his postgame presser on Wednesday night on Hakeem Hart having eight assists. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that going back and looking at, going back to the Purdue game, we kind of, um, I think there's times that Jameer needs a rest and needs to get off the ball. Um, and especially with that lineup out there, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of confidence Hakeem making plays. Um, and you know, coming out of the second half, I gave him a little ISO uh, into it. He's really worked hard on his post play. It's given us another post presence. So, um, you know, I'm actually going to put another play in tomorrow just for him for a post play. It's just he, he's given us um, another another passer, but he's given us another post presence where we can go down low. Yes, he has. And Julian Reese on Wednesday night. Now, he in just 24 minutes as a starter did commit three turnovers and four fouls and did miss a free throw attempt, but he also went seven of eight from the field, all twos, and finished with 14 points and eight rebounds. You can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got this email from Mike late night on Wednesday night, writes Mike, very nice win in College Park tonight. Impressed that Willard seems to have righted the ship somewhat after those fairly recent, really, really bad games. Hope this can continue. Uh, I do as well. Thank you for the email, Mike. You know, the Terps this season now are 10-1 and at home. And next up for Maryland is another home game, home to Nebraska, Saturday afternoon at 4.30. A win for the Terps will get them to 500 in the Big Ten at 5-5. Five and five. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 495. Love plenty for you on the Commanders. I'll also talk Capitals. Big game for the Caps on Thursday night. Home to the Pittsburgh Penguins at 7. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. For the third time in 10 years, Joe Gibbs and the Redskins scaled the heights of football greatness. The 1991 Washington Redskins are an honor to the team's glorious past and the world champions of pro football's present.